0: Uh, welcome back to Calibration Station. Um, Calibration Station. Yes, that's the name of this podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined with my guest, Jeremy. And Jeremy, how would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hey, guys, what's up? Um, yeah, so I'm Jeremy. I'm from, oh, I, I live in New York now for work. I just graduated from Penn State in May within the IST program. Um, yeah, really nothing too crazy stuff about me. I'm just uh, happy to be here and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, talk to you about my life a little bit
0: yeah that sounds good man so what do you do with your life right now like what do you do so
1: yeah yeah so i i mean i've done a lot of things i've been kind of uh, throughout various industries i started out in biotech at j&j for a while as a dev there Mm. and now i kind of find myself more in the fintech space um so right now I work for a company called Murex that's actually based out of Paris. And what we do, we work with a series of hedge funds and, and things like that. So it's hedge funds and banks and, and things like that to do a lot of automated processing through through trade and high high frequency trading kinds of stuff and allow for kind of these funds to do risk analysis with, with our platform and then hopefully just keep on building out and, it in, and, and making it as robust as possible. Um, it's really just meant to uh, make sure that, um, you know, Um, banks are licensed and doing their kind of like software work the correct way and making sure that they're making money in trades and things like that.
0: Wow. That's crazy, man. Like I, (laughs) that's so out of my world that (laughs) all of it was just like, that it just sounds insane, but I'm sure like, if I were to explain to you, like what I do with my engineering stuff, it'd probably be the same way. So dude, for sure. Yeah. It's nice to have like multiple spectrums of like, I don't know what the, what the right word is, but just, yeah, it's nice to have like these different specialties that people are good at. Cause yeah. I, I think that's why like humanity is on such a role, I guess, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So how did you find yourself in, in this role at, um, what, sorry, where did you, you said it was based out of Paris. Like, how yeah, you, so
1: it's called M- M- Murex and, uh, basically, <laughs> um, so I was actually interviewing for a series of banks uh, right out of college, and then mo- when COVID hit, most of the programs that I was going to become involved in were either pushed back or revoked completely, which which really which really sucked. And then J and J was doing a major hiring freeze as well. Um, so, um, I kind of find myself I, I found myself uh you know doing more data science kind of stuff. So I really like doing things like R yeah. and Python, and then navigating volatile kind of data sets and things like that. So statistics were a really big thing for me, and I, I wanted to make sure that that was going to be a part of uh, my actual work life. Um, when it came to just interviewing, I just kind of found whatever I could. Like, I struggled. I was in a really bad place for a very long time. I was here in the city by myself, um, just looking for work. And then just, uh, you know, the COVID just just mm. beat the hell out of me. Just like it just absolutely... Um, just turned everything around. I was very confident when I was in college, making sure that I was going to be doing enough and being compensated enough. And um, uh, but I kind of kept my head down and just built out a profile and, and built out a, uh, a resume that I knew I would be happy with and, um, and making sure that I'm doing projects that I'm happy with. And then mm. uh, that kind of translated in my interviewing experience and things like that. So I, yeah. I fortunately, I got a series of like interviews and things like that um they were tough and especially since everything's virtual I'm much more of an organic like in person kind of kind of guy you know right um, for sure so um, i uh, you know i did well with the interviews and things like that and uh, and sometimes they would just completely fall through and it it wasn't all it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows it was definitely a lot of hardship um, but i knew i wanted to become a part of finance because of <laughs> I'm actually really not much of a finance person. I find myself more of a tech person. And when I was mm-hmm. doing data science kinds of things, I wanted to find a domain that was exciting and was volatile. And when you find that, you'll find that finance is one of the most interesting sample size every day. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like a yeah. statistic sample size that is the most relevant. It's the most interesting and it's the most rewarding or it can be the most rewarding or the most loss like so um yeah that's i uh, it wasn't i didn't exactly pick and choose where i really wanted to go but i knew fintech was was going to be my thing um mm-hmm. simply because technology can be applied almost a- anywhere i was actually a data science for a beauty company before i, I was at Murex, so i was doing wow. like regressional models for things like um you know like <laughs> what kind of like conditioner or shampoo is gonna be sold at this time of year but it didn't matter what the domain was it just right. mattered right. that i acquired those technical skills and then you can apply it really a- anywhere so yeah. um uh yeah no it was a, I had <laughs> kind of an interesting domain
0: experience across no, all boards yeah that's excellent man I'm, I'm glad it worked out for you in that way yeah Thank that's you. really Thank cool you. So what do you think of your current life? Like, your what's your opinion of everything that you're doing right now, just with life in general? Um, so for me right now, um.
1: so basically I'm in the Upper West Side of New York right now. Uh, the office is not open where I, I'm at. Um, I was actually supposed to be in Peru next week for a, uh, a client meeting there, but that's not going to happen because of, of COVID. So we're going to do ev- everything virtually. So i i like where i'm at right now it's not Mm -hmm. it's not exactly how i envisioned it and i I don't think anyone could have envisioned this pandemic you know things just couldn't be the same and i'm i'm slowly coming to peace with kind of adjusting like my happiness and things like that but there was a big adjustment period where you know i was i was not in, in a great place for a long time so at this current moment with the current job i have with um actually got a cat, so <laughs> that's actually uh that's actually a big thing for me. Yeah. So, a companion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great. He's a little bastard sometimes, but he's he's yeah. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> um uh, um yeah no I would I would definitely my current opinion of my life right now, this is this is definitely the best of what I could make right now. And I'm mm. I'm happy with myself. Um regardless of to what um, what I expected it to be while I was in college. i'm I'm happy where I'm at because I'm trying my best, I would have to say. and that's uh yeah, it's really it's really about it. You got to make the best of what you're given. And you know, when pandemics come your way, you can't do much about a
0: lot. So <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, so how did you find yourself in New York? Like, why'd you pick New York City of all places? Was it just um, popping there or,
1: yeah. I mean, so i actually actually have have a twin brother who's a jazz musician here and Mm -hmm. um uh so we would see this place almost all the time and i knew that it was kind of like a capital for productivity for high energy kinds of Mm -hmm. things and brilliant people so i knew i wanted to be a very fast-paced or i still want to be a very fast-paced person and when i started interviewing um uh for a company for a private company down in new york i could instantly kind of fell in love with that with that energy you know i was walking through times square every day for my commute and um and you just know that the people around you are here to be the best that they can be they're motivated and they're driven uh by just simply looking at the energy of the other people it's it's a hard wow. thing to explain but new york has that kind of like i've, I've been to a few other cities as well and, and new york has kind of like that unparalleled kind of vibe or nature. That other cities just don't give you. It's expensive, and there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be here. But if you if you can look past that and put, you know, uh, I wouldn't even say your career first. I I I would say if you can if you can put like this mindset first of being as no Mm. matter how much money you make and how hard it is to live here, knowing that you're here uh, uh, means that you're doing something right. You know, in my
0: opinion, but. That's Uh, that's so incredibly interesting like I never thought about living in the city city just because I I just didn't think it was me like I and I totally agree that that it's like that fast paced energy and just like getting that energy from other people like when you see those other people like that totally makes sense but I just never thought about it I just yeah. And you don't have to, like, it's not meant for everybody. It's just, um, and
1: and it's not even saying that you won't be successful if you don't, if you don't come here, that's completely not true. Um, it's, it's just a a thing that I wanted to connect with eventually. It was, uh, it was kind of like a goal of mine and I knew it was an experience that I wanted to do, but there's so many other places out there, like incredible places that you Mm. can set yourself up. You can make a career out of, and frankly, a lot cheaper. So (laughs) like, it's, uh, the cost of living. Uh, will be a lot more reasonable at other places and you'll mm. still have a great time.
0: Yeah. So I actually wanted to take a little bit of a left turn and um mm-hmm. I, I listened to your podcast episode with Rachel like a while ago, if I'm <laughs> being honest. But <laughs> yeah, that was a um, while ago. I, I know that you invest in stocks and stuff like that and you're you're pretty successful from like what my friends tell me. But could you just tell our our listeners like um how did you get into investing and in finances and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, the way that I've actually invested has come has changed as I reach throughout these milestones. But the way that I that I began it um, when I when I, I first I was lucky enough to get an internship at J and J, and my manager was a former um, uh, he was uh, he was basically a, a director in finance who is now more in the tech and innovation field. And, um, uh, you know, I was kind of like put un- under his wing for a while. And um, he told me, like, this is the kind of stuff that you need to set up for. And this is the kind of stuff, you know, when you're mm-hmm. 18 years old and you're, you know, uh, the 18 to like 25 range is a make it or break it uh, if you want to set yourself up. Um, and, not, and that's not to say that you can't start at any time. You absolutely can. But I was more interested in. In the fact that it was a sample size that was that was really it was basically a statistic for me that I couldn't follow. You know, the market is never going to be able to be predicted and things like that. And yeah. I really wanted to make sense of it and navigate it as much as I can through any technical skills that I learned throughout my internship or throughout school as well. Um, not saying uh, school teaches you everything you need to know. But you have to be a very curious person to understand the market, and I'm right. not even saying I do. Um, I just I found styles and trends of trading that allowed me to be very profitable, and then eventually hit a point where it became um, you reach these milestones and it becomes progressively less stressful. Um, mm. As it's still stressful, but you become managing your risk at a little bit better and a little bit higher level. Um, could, could you,
0: you, I'm sorry, you, I didn't mean to cut you off, but could no you give you. an example of one of those milestones? Like, what was a milestone for you that realized, like, you know, this is something I should keep putting my effort into. Like, this is something that I, like, I want to keep doing. Right. So I
1: don't want to, I don't exactly want to drop specific numbers, but uh, specifically I had expenses that I wanted to essentially automatically wipe throughout earnings through premiums and dividends and and things like that. And a dividend, if you don't know what that is, it's basically a gratitude uh, from a company saying, thank you for investing in us and here's free money. Mm. (laughs) So it's not a lot, but once you build out a portfolio that becomes like hopefully exponentially bigger as time goes on, that gratitude starts to build and Mm. then you can pay off your own expenses and and things like that. And almost like an automated way. So, Um, I wanted to at least beat the market each year. And and if you don't know what that is, you can you uh, each each year, I think if you can build your portfolio of about maybe a little bit more than eight percent, you're on a good track for beating a traditional market like the actual Mm. macro um, American economy. Right, Right. And if you can beat that, that means you're absolutely doing something great with your portfolio it means that you're being productive with it it means that you're managing your risk correctly and um sometimes you know you you hear about these day traders and swing traders making ridiculous money and unfortunately uh finance has turned into more of a meme than an actual serious uh i don't even want to say skill but just um ability or just mindset Mm -hmm. of uh of um of being safe and comfortable with what you of how you want to handle your money. But yeah, no, I was um I started out to be honest. I started out doing a lot of day trading type patterns and I never understood how non-technical people could get into day trading. You see it all the time now. You see kids opening up their mm-hmm. Robinhood accounts and they don't really understand what they're looking at. It's aesthetically pleasing, it tells you you're making money and that's all they want to see and they don't really understand that it is more of a data science game it's more of a psychology game than anything else so that kind of stuff really interested me and these milestones were small things as long as i can beat the market at at an annual basis as long as i can pay off these expenses as long as i can make my rent (laughs) smaller each month through this then i would uh then i'm happy so um it came to a point where i went from a very high risk to then earning enough capital and then, and thank God, like having a good job as well to investing in more uh, safer things, like indexes, blue chip stocks, mm. and, um, and also hedges that I create on my own, uh, things that I'm willing to lose, you have to understand is that you cannot put your savings towards this stuff, and then right. expect to see, and then expect to retire the next day, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just not smart. So Dude, as for I, I,
0: Oh man I, I kind of like my my mind was going in a different place but I think it's so crazy like really amazing how you you don't do this to like actually it's it's more of a game for you like to statistically you know learn the market like analyze the market in that way 100% it, It's so interesting yeah. man cuz mm-hmm. like whenever money comes to my mind I'm always really worried about you know is it gonna change me if i get more money like if if i have a lot of money like what will that do to like my character and i was wondering have you ever thought about that like that did that ever cross your mind um you see like
1: the better you get at this stuff the more humble you get and oh really yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing you kind of um in the beginning, you know, you you know, you might make a great trade, and then uh, in the beginning, you think you're some kind of a. Oh, <laughs> can I curse on this? I, I forget. Sure. Very, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> you might think you're like some kind of a fucking god if you invested in something like GameStop and made the, like a thirty percent, fifty percent return. Right. And then you start to really learn about the ins and outs of of actually how arbitrage works, and then you you start to work looking at how banks actually issue these stock and what's actually going on behind the scenes. And eventually, you'll get to that point where you're career ready for it, hopefully. And you start to surround yourselves by people who have matured in this in- industry so much. Mm. You just all you can really do is just be humbled by it. And it's funny yeah, because yeah. you think you think the higher up you get and the better you get at this, the more confident you are. But really, it's not that. It's more you are willing to listen to people on your next level. Right. You keep mm. moving up and you keep moving up and you take in as much information as you can. Um, and you never stick by rules. You never stick by set rules. You might experience some rules that you set for yourself, but mm. you cannot be a closed minded person when it comes to this. And you have to be patient. Um, so when it comes to building more capital and changing like, who you are, uh, I think if you've earned it in an honest way, it, it'll never change who you are it'll it'll absolutely never and if anything all it really does is humble you for the next level for the next Mm -hmm. stage because you're going to relate with yourself with more higher level people and i'm not talking about like those bullshit like courses entrepreneur stuff like there might be some good ones out there but you see all over social media now like join my forex trading course like please Mm -hmm. if you're going to learn anything out of this podcast that is not how it's done. You cannot follow people's trades directly in the way you can. You can. Uh, no one right now is qualified to tell you exactly what you need to buy when. That's just not how the market works. It's a much higher level of understanding of what's going on and mm-hmm. and uh, other factors that play into it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's more humbling than you think when you reach that next level. And I, I do hope you know everyone does experience that you know yeah, at, at yeah. some point in time
0: dude that's so great man it's it totally reminded me of like whenever i thought i was i was good at playing the symbols in in drum core i thought i was yeah hot yeah shit. and <laughs> it, it was insane like once i got to that next level like the higher level i was like wow these people are so humble like these these guys are so good but they don't brag about it and it was it was insane and i realized like rather than me, like, talking shit, like, man, these guys are, like, they think they're so good, like, whatever. I I started to switch my mindset to more of a, like, these guys are really good. Like, I want to be their friends. (laughs) Like, I want to be at their level and, like, hanging out with them. Because it's just, they know so much more than I do. And it's, like, I can learn from them. Like, I kind of just learn how to behave as a person, like, Hanging out with with more mature people. And yeah, yeah. It's like that was the parallel that I was thinking about while you were explaining this to me. So, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's, that's, it's that's awesome. definitely good. And I, yeah. I actually, uh, I did want to join
1: DCI more than anything. At oh, that point. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I remember I was auditioning for the Raiders, and I wasn't good enough to be on snare. So, so they put oh. me on bass, and I'm like, I'm gonna hold you guys back if you put me on bass. <laughs> so I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gonna leave this to people like Brian. <laughs> like I can't yeah. do this. <laughs> But, Dude, that's uh, great, man.
0: Oh, yeah, that kind of, yeah. I, I want to talk now about um, your Blue Band experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Just for our listeners, Jeremy played the cymbals in Blue Band for... Oh, yeah. Was it two years? Yeah, it was about
1: two years. And then mm. I got mono
0: my second year. <laughs> oh, I, geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, well, there are legends about Jeremy in the, the Blue Band drumline, um, just because we have a lot of mutual friends in common, like um, Steven Spicco, Nick Einhoff. And also shout out to Josh Dockerty. He wanted he wanted me to give him a shout out on this episode. Oh yeah. I
1: just saw him in New York. He he came up from uh, where is he, Dallas? Yeah, he he came up from Dallas the other week. It was it was great. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, do you have any memorable moments from Blue Band? Just I know it's like pretty pretty open, but like yeah, whatever Uh, comes to mind first, just (sighs) You see, there's a lot of
1: memorable ones I probably shouldn't say on a recording, but <laughs> I fair. will say the most like touching one or the, mo- or the one that I'll never forget was uh-huh. my freshman year. We were at the Rose Bowl and uh, we were uh-huh. doing, um, you know, it was like a lot of hype, it was a lot of prep work. You know, we, we got on a plane, we're, we're going out, and, and uh, I think this was also around, this might have been around New Year's as well, like going out and, and seeing uh I, I don't even know i think la uh uh during new years was the coolest thing and experiencing it with mm. like the drumline people was just awesome and um I, I remember like we're all like tired as hell when we're doing the the anthem and and uh in front of you know it's on air for hundreds of thousands of people and then um you know thousands of people within the stands and just seeing the blue and white vi- the blue and white versus the red and gold was just the coolest like dynamic you could possibly see it was like a video game right so yeah um we're standing out on the field i'm like I, I don't remember what yard line i was but i remember i was pretty close to the actual center and then um uh you know we're doing the national anthem and i hear this huge like roaring plane come up and from right over my head there was this huge stealth bomber that comes right over it. And I almost fucked up the national anthem on cymbals because it just took me up. It just took me back. Like, like, Holy crap. Like I think I like teared up a little bit, just seeing this bomber, like all the people, like in the music, it was, it was some of the most incredible stuff. And like, and I like kind of like realized like then and there, like, you know, not a, you know, there's very few bands and very few people that that get to sit there like, you know, Right in the middle of the field, being in it, being the center Mm -hmm. of of attention, and then having you know (laughs) what seems like a spaceship fly over your head—it made the noise was like alien-like. It was insane. Uh, It was it was so loud and it came out of nowhere. And it's like it's probably nothing I'm gonna be able to experience ever again. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that's the most like PG experience. And if I don't want to out myself (laughs) from the blue (laughs) van and get instantly find from them but yeah, yeah. Dude, that's that's yeah. awesome yeah oh, i just i had moment. something
0: in, i had something in my head but i i kind of forgot it now oh oh well
1: <laughs> yeah which um which bowl games were, were you at uh,
0: oh you i worked, were mm-hmm. yeah so i did blue band in 2018 and 2019 which was after jeremy's years right. and i went to the Citrus Bowl. And the nice. cotton bowl. Citrus bowl was in Florida and the Cotton Bowl was in uh, somewhere in Texas. I wanna say I wanna say Dallas. I think it was Dallas. Nice. But yeah, that was um it, it definitely like the hoodlum shit that, that I did. Like I probably shouldn't talk Hell about yeah, it on Steven. recording either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got like, it, you
1: got it. <laughs> Yeah, and like, I bet you that, can imagine how insane it was when Nick was there. Nick Einolf. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Nick Einolf was on my my podcast earlier this yeah. year and he was talking about like it was me, Jeremy, and um someone else. There's one other symbol player that he yeah. mentioned. just like the three freshmen taking on the world together. Like, like I could just like, um, Josh. Uh, Nolfe. Yeah. yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, that's Josh Knolf.
1: Awesome, good kid good kid um yeah no i would have to say uh, nick and steven were the most memorable duo you could possibly have especially for your podcast if you ever want like a big one have both mm. of them on at the same time just let them drive the show that's a You'd great idea have their own show <laughs> like, yeah for that's, sure
0: that's so awesome yeah mm. hell yeah all right um i guess we can move away from blue band um I really, I had something that was really good in my head while you were talking, and I just, I totally lost it. But Praise. if it ever comes back during this episode, <laughs> then I'll, I'll bring it up like out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Jeremy, I want to ask you my favorite question. Uh, what is your greatest strength? Greatest
1: strength. Um, I'm generally a very curious person. Which kind of translates into the data science realm quite a bit. And when you are curious about everything, you kind of question how it works under the hood. And each time you kind of have those like aha moments, it's not because you learn something from like a frontward facing lesson, it's because you discover something yourself. And yeah. um, that was actually also a moment that I realized that data science might actually be my kind of field that I would like, um, because, you know, it's essentially a way of, of, of answering questions on a new level and also finding new questions um, within, you know, some sort of a sample size within a statistics within what's going on throughout the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So um a lot of my beginning um, samples and things like that came from more biotech based things it came from statistics with patients it came from statistics through medicine and drugs and things like that and uh, it could be translated anywhere so if you're generally a curious person which is very broad to say and may not be helpful for you but data science might be your thing and it's not as hard it is a lot of coding but it's not as hard as you might think because you start to program how you think right? You start to program exactly how your brain works. And if your brain works and truly in a bulletproof way, which it doesn't, you'll start to run into, you know, your own issues and creating your own problems and then solving those problems. So being curious, I'd have to say, is probably my biggest strength. And it's helped me a lot throughout my short-lived career or short career at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, curiosity is a great thing. Um, Do you have an end goal with what you want to do? Like, Just, I guess in life in general, like, do you have a goal? Absolutely not. I
1: don't think so. (laughs) I I don't really think in terms of retrospectual goals. Um, Hmm. it's nice to have really nice things, but that's not what you do, what you want to do for. Um, my goal is, is typically centered around pragmatic goals, like from on a monthly basis on Ah. returns in my investments on returns on um you know or, or client work and things like that mm-hmm. making sure that they're happy um and uh my goal um in more of a practical sense is to make sure i'm taking care of myself and just mm-hmm. throughout life i don't need to hit a certain money making marker i don't need to be you know in the hamptons anywhere i don't need to be somewhere crazy I right. just have to be okay with what I'm doing, and then gradually learning and keeping curious. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think, uh, not to downplay people who have ret- retrospectral goals, but it's much more, you'll be a lot happier achieving smaller goals than you will then to find something at the end of your life, you know, than to yeah, you find yeah. yourself, because then, then you just keep being happy. <laughs> you have a higher right, frequency right. of being happy, you know? rather than being at the end.
0: Right. And I think if like you get to like close to the end of where your goal, like your time limit for your goal, I think that sets you up for like maybe more disappointment. Like if you're not there yet, if you're not where you want to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been telling myself a lot lately that I should kind of let go of my expectations of like what I'm trying to do with just my time, like my time on earth, I guess. But mm-hmm. like in the sense that uh, I'm a master's student right now, and I have one year left, um, halfway through my master's. And nice, I thought I thought I was gonna get all of this shit done. Like I thought I was I was gonna be like pumping out awesome research, and that is just not the case. <laughs> like I'm I'm like, just yeah yeah. Because
1: you're 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 now at a new level, and you're humbled again. Right? right right. You you've reached that new level, and you're surrounded by people who are or you know undergoing that next level with you mm-hmm. and it's not what you expected to be but that's the that's the good thing and part of it is that yeah it's it's this is why like life truly like feels like it's just keeps going and it never ends because or life does end but it feels like it never ends mm-hmm. because you're constantly learning new things yeah, right yeah you're not meant to be productive 24/7 and if you are that means you're not taking a step back and realizes what's going on around you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, take some time for yourself. You don't have to be productive 24-7. It's small victories. Small yeah. victories make up the most amount of success, in my opinion.
0: Dude, small victories, yes, man. Yeah. Where, where did you go to high school again?
1: Uh, so I went actually in the town of like Princeton. Um uh, I went to Monk Montgomery High School, which is actually in Skillman. It's right outside of Princeton.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do drum line like indoor drum line not so we we didn't have an
1: indoor program um we did have a marching band program but i joined band very late i was mm-hmm. just kind of screwing around on drums for a long time kind of built up of random dexterity i was <laughs> never really using and then my my twin brother um uh who was far more talented than i'll ever be in music he's like dude you should probably consider joining band i'm like it's for nerds and then i eventually <laughs> i eventually uh, caved in joined drumline and had an amazing time and i'm like i might want to do this in college i don't want to have this be you know short lived so um going to penn state um, blue band was like a big thing with it for me like and pursuing drums for at least a little bit and honestly i probably work hard the way i do now so i can eventually uplift my drumming career again have enough money to just be a drummer
0: (laughs) oh yes thank you so much i remember my question from earlier now (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so when you got into the blue band and you heard you were on cymbals were you embarrassed to tell people about that like were you embarrassed to say like yes i'm a cymbal player no absolutely not because uh going through
1: that audition process and seeing Uh how good other people are there is no way i'm going to you know uh, I'm going to uplift myself in comparison to these other people. Yeah. It's absolutely not. it's It's an achievement in its own to get in in the first mm-hmm. place, especially during this crazy time of college transition. i I, you know, it, it's not even close to embarrassing, especially with the experiences we get to experience as compared to like a traditional student. No yeah. way. Yeah. it, yeah, it was. Dude. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I was, uh, I was, of course, that you always wanted to like move up and you, and you mm-hmm. want to, you know, but it, it drove you to do something, right? It drove you right. to, to keep practicing. And like, you know, you, each of us saw each other's ambitions. Like there's no way I would uh, ever like, you know, talk or talk uplifting of myself in comparison mm-hmm. to other people who actually made it you know <laughs> yeah yeah but no, um, that's
0: that's great man you sound like yeah. super grateful and that's awesome <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no it's a great time it's, especially yeah. the cymbals you know it's not the yeah. hardest music but like so it gets most of just like you know the fun stuff that we can't talk dude, about but. yeah man, dude. We,
0: there was so much fucking around on cymbals because it was so great. low stress it was yeah well, always yeah. for me it's like i'm I a didn't... better dancer yeah knows. Yeah, yeah, dude, it was just a great time. I'm still so, a shitty dancer, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you uh, decide not to do Blue Band for your, your final two years? So I, uh, my, my last year, I got mono, and especially
1: spending out uh, a lot of time in the cold a lot, it was, it was, it was kind of shitty. Yeah, <laughs> It was bad, it was and I didn't really yeah. realize I had mono throughout almost the entire season, until I actually went to go to get tested, I thought it was just because I'm like outside in the elements so much like that that was it. So as soon as I um, uh, I kept going and going and if I kept putting pressure on I guess my, my liver area, if you guys don't know, but like there's a multitude of like variations of symbols within Blue band right? Sometimes you wear these racks that have these symbols on them. And uh, I was putting a lot of pressure on my liver, according to my doctor. And then uh, uh, he said you might just have to sit the season out, um, so you don't have, so you don't put more damage on your on your liver while you're um, in this mono stage. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, honestly, I uh, I just had new focuses at that point in time. Um, when the next uh, audition season came up again, I still loved seeing them. I still <laughs> love seeing all the drumline people. But I, I realized that you know I I might want to consider things that um that I might be a little better at <laughs> than, mm. than actual drums. Like don't get me wrong, like I loved hanging out with them and stuff like that. And yeah. um, uh, But you know I I think I I had enough at that point. Um I didn't have like any leadership positions, but that's okay because I felt like you know um like I I got my time out of it, and you know I I guess. It was time for me to actually move on to, to other things. And then I'm just, like, thankful they still somewhat like me, I hope. So,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, I get invited out to the party sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. No,
0: that's, like, yeah. totally fair. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. But I think Blue Band is such a great thing for, like, a, just a community to to yeah. kind of grow in. Like, especially as a freshman, like, you guys didn't know anyone it's so easy just to make friends with the other freshmen that are in drumline it's like for sure yeah perfect environment i guess Mm -hmm. and my experience was a little different so i i knew most of the upperclassmen because i did drum corps and like half of them did drum corps as well we we did like reading buccaneers together or and i knew steven from high school like we were tight already so i was like pretty tight with the upperclassmen and i would just I goofed off so much at the audition. Like I didn't take it seriously. I just, I needed a breath. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like really didn't even expect to join the blue band. Like I totally did it on a whim. Cause Steven was like, dude, you need to try out. It'd be so funny. So I learned he's a convincing kid. Yeah. So I like, the night before the audition, I was in Josh's basement with Steven and he was trying to teach me countdown and I just I couldn't do it at all because I've never <laughs> drum before. I just played cymbals. I was just a symbol yeah, yeah. guy. And yeah. dude, the only reason I made it was because there there weren't enough auditionees. So my audition was like way different than yours. But again, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you. As like I'm incredibly grateful for my two years that I spent like with those guys and just even like what you had with the Rose bowl, like that moment on the field, I had the same realization at, at the whiteout game. My, my first whiteout, I was like, this is insane. Like it's, there's yeah. just nothing like it. So, it's like the ultimate Penn state experience. Like it's, yeah.
1: it's as you know, you wouldn't expect that coming from like a, like a, like a marching band. Right. Usually sometimes you associate that with kind of like nerdy dinky stuff, but Mm -hmm. being a, being a part of the blue band was like, it was, it was like Penn state gave you everything it had to offer and you just had to be there for it. Right. So it was, it was definitely, I, I got what I, what I really wanted out of it and I appreciated it a lot. And I'm, you know, really happy it went well with the new, leadership and stuff like that and it was cool to see them kind of like grow up and and take over it right yeah like yeah. you you look up to the people that you learn from and then your peers become those people yeah and it's like damn like like you really shaped up yeah <laughs> you guys, yeah. Uh, you guys yeah. are you pretty
0: well for yourself so <laughs> it, was, totally, it was cool yeah yeah i totally thought that about um steven when he told me he was the bass guy and i was like what you, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're the biggest goofball ever. <laughs> like, But no, I totally agree. Like he took the leadership role. Like he totally killed it. And it was, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Like seeing growth is, is just like one of the best things. But yeah. 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 So I'll ask you uh, one final question. Um, Jeremy, do you have any advice for your listeners? Um, I guess we can
1: transition more back towards the career thing. Really, Um, I guess for more of like the the college people and things like that, don't expect your very first job to be love what you do. And it's not really a matter of loving what you do every day. One day you might just be answering emails, waiting for like a report back from someone. It might not be glorious. You might not be saving the world every day when you're out of college. But what Mm -hmm. you have to do is that you have to learn you you basically have to love what you're learning and what you're learning is completely up to you. It's not, it's not li- limited by what you're doing every day. You can b- basically go farther of what you're doing every day if you love to learn. Right? So, like I said, you don't have to love what you do right out of college, but if you want to go further, you have to love what you're learning. And it's, it's, it kind of what drives people. It drives people. It's what motivates me to go beyond what I'm just doing day to- day basis, kind of stuff. But you have to be pragmatic. You have to be real realistic um, of of what you're doing every day to what you want to do in the future. So, yeah, um, love to learn and love what you're learning essentially.
0: that's amazing advice. Like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'll do one more. Um, yeah, Jeremy, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, mm,
1: shout out to my brother. Uh, he is a jazz musician here in New York. Like I said before, uh, I think uh, what's his Instagram? It's like I think it's like Ben M. Fortunato or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's working really hard to gain a name for himself, and he's doing a lot of teaching and stuff like that, and mm. like like that too. And it's not easy during this time. Right. to uh, pursue something with an arts right now so you know give it give arts as much love as you as they as as you can because it is a passion that has completely um been uh kind of swandled by by COVID and stuff like that and hopefully we'll get to see more and new types of you know more of the industry come back and stuff like that because that's what really makes your weekends interesting is actually going out to see shows going out to see you know going out even clubbing too, you know, it's all, it's all art. It's all music. It's great.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on the podcast. Thank you. And see you guys next time. All right. Peace. Bye. Later. Peace. All right. Great. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs)